Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. So I want to start out today with a story from my past. I've told some of you this story before and you still love me. You still accept me. You still think I'm a relatively smart person. So for those of you who are hearing this story for the first time, I simply ask that you, you keep in mind that, that you liked me before you heard this story. You, you thought I was a, a relatively smart person before, so after you hear it, can you just please try to, try to hold on to just maybe a little bit of that goodwill you had for me then before you're, you hear the story you're gonna hear now, okay? Deal? So uh, it was my sophomore year at college. I went to Seattle Pacific University. I lived on the top floor of my dorm, the, the fifth floor of Hill Hall. And one day at the top floor of that dorm building, I discovered, uh, we had this kind of mutual living room lounge space and I discovered in it behind the refrigerator in that space, in that warm little nook, somebody had placed an open container of whole milk. I think they were kind of trying to prank us or something, leave the container of milk somewhere you couldn't see it, somewhere warm, it would get smelly, we wouldn't know where it was coming from, uh, but I found it. And upon finding it, I felt that it was my duty to, to get rid of it. You know, nobody wants a smelly dorm, so I, I, um, I, I decided I was gonna get rid of it. And I took this uh, open, smelly, rotten container of milk and I, I, I thought, okay, uh, how do I want to get rid of this? So I walked over to the sink with it, and I, I looked at it, and I looked at the sink, and I was like, uh, I don't want to pour it down the sink. It's, it's chunky. It's gross. It's not going to all go down. I don't, I don't want to do that. So then I, I walk over to the, the trash can, and I think, I'll put it in the trash. Well, no, that, that's a bad idea, because if it's in the trash can in this room, it's still going to stink up the room. So uh, and I had this eureka moment. I thought, here's what I do. I put it down the trash chute because everything that goes down the trash chute, it's, it's gone forever. You never see it again. So that, that's what I'll do. I'll get rid of it. Uh, so that's what I started to do. Now, I just want to pause in the story here for a minute and, and, and just say to you, my friends listening to the story, I know. I now know. I'm in the future with you now also. I now know this was a very bad idea. But past me, she didn't know. She, she didn't understand what a bad idea this was. So uh, back to the story. Feeling like a genius, I walked over to that trash chute located in the middle of the hallway on every floor of this dorm. I walked over it, I opened the door, I put my hand in with this gallon of rotten milk and I let it go. And I heard it. I heard it fall. I heard it whap, whap, whap and splash, splash against the wall of the chute. As it fell, I heard it thud 
and explode as it hit the floor of the dumpster at the bottom. I heard it, and then I smelled it. I was practically punched in the face by this awful, terrible, sour smell of rotten milk wafting all the way up from the basement back up to the fifth floor and every floor in between. What was done was done. I couldn't take it back. The milk was spilled all over the trash chute, all over the basement. The damage had been done and I had no way to clean it up. You know, sometimes in our relationships, damage gets done. Damage gets done with much, that's much more serious than a little spilled milk. Damage with consequences far worse than a smelly hallway. We say and we do things to one another, sometimes accidentally and, and sometimes on purpose that hurt one another. Sometimes we do things that cause such deep wounds, some of them that can last for a lifetime. So what do we do with that? How do we deal with the fact that, that the people who are supposed to, to love us the most are often the people who hurt us the most? You know, that's, I think, what Peter was trying to get at in this conversation he just had with Jesus that we got to listen in on. See, Jesus has just instructed Peter and the disciples about what to do if your brother or your mother, your mom, your dad, your, your sister, your friend, if somebody in your life sins against you. And Jesus basically tells them, hey, when somebody you love hurts you, here's how you should respond. But Peter's not quite satisfied, so Peter asks Jesus, he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as, as many as seven times? So Peter wants to know, when my, my brother or my sister or my mom or my dad or my friend, when somebody I love hurts me, not just once and not just kind of, but, but really hurts me and sometimes repeatedly hurts me, do I, do I really have to forgive them? I mean, I, I know I'm a, I'm a Christian and all, and I'm supposed to forgive, at least sometimes, but isn't there a point when that should stop? When we say I'm done, enough is enough, we're, I've been hurt enough, we're done. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I say to you, not just seven times, but 77 times. When somebody hurts you, when somebody you love hurts you, you're to forgive, not just once, not just twice, not just seven times, but over and over and over again. And I think knowing these words from Jesus, having those words in his heart, the Apostle Paul repeats these kinds of instructions when he, he writes this letter to the Colossians and he says, bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive one another. Forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgive one another. In our relationships, when we inevitably hurt one another, our call is to forgive. But before we jump into talking about how we do that, I want to give a, a little caveat 
This is important. I, I read an article recently by a therapist who works specifically with victims of trauma. People who've been sexually abused, raped, exploited, and or abused physically or emotionally. And the title of her article was, Why I Don't Use the Word Forgiveness in Trauma Therapy. And she explains that for trauma victims, forgiveness is just a really loaded word, and many, many victims feel completely powerless to forgive. They want to, they feel like they should, but they can't. Because for victims of trauma, to forgive feels like they're saying that what happened to them is okay, and it is definitely not okay. So, instead of encouraging forgiveness, this therapist uses words like unburdening or letting go. And she moves very, very slowly in trying to help her patients get to the point where they feel like they can even do just that. So if that's you today, if you are a victim of trauma, I want to speak very, very gently with you. If you hear this message and, and you feel like it's, it's drawing you to a place of letting go, that's great. I think that's, that's God's good desire for you. But if you can't, if you're not in a place where that's possible for you, that's okay. It's okay. God is still with you and God loves you right where you are. So, we are going to talk about forgiveness, what it is and how we do it. But to do even that, we need to start out first, go, back, go backwards a little bit and, and talk about what forgiveness is not. And that's really important that we get this. First thing, first thing, forgiveness is not the same thing as excusing. We excuse first-time drivers for cutting up us off on the road. When we see that, you know, that bumper sticker that says first-time or student driver, we, we excuse their mistakes. Or we excuse eight-year-old boys for making, you know, loud, rude, bodily noises because, well, they're eight-year-old boys. But there are some things that happen in this world, some things that people do that are inexcusable. When we forgive, we are not excusing. We're not saying, oh, what you did wasn't that bad, or it's not your fault, you were having a bad day, your parents neglected you, or you were only doing your job. No. Forgiveness isn't about tolerating or, or excusing bad behavior. Forgiving is also not forgetting. All that forgetting requires is having a bad memory. I can forget where I parked my car, but that doesn't mean I have an advanced soul. When, when somebody wounds us deeply, we can't simply hit a, a delete key and erase it from our memory. Forgiving is precisely what's needed when we can't forget. And finally, forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciling. It's really important. People sometimes think that in order to forgive someone, we must be willing to reunite with them. You know, the wife, she's going to have to move back with the husband who abuses her, or, or the friend has to keep hanging out with the person who talks bad behind their back. Forgiveness doesn't always mean that. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciling. In order for reconciliation to happen, a whole lot of work has to be done on the part of the, the wounder, the hurt-er. And sometimes that's not possible. But forgiveness still is. 
Forgiveness takes place within the heart of one human being, and it can be granted to the other person, even if they've never asked for it, even if they don't deserve it. So forgiveness is not the same as excusing, forgetting, or reconciling. So what is it? And more importantly, how do we do it? Well, experts list four steps. The first step, they say, is before you can do the work to forgive, you have to have within you the desire to forgive. Moving backwards in in Matthew 18, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. What Jesus is saying here is, (laughs) you know, listen, When somebody hurts you, you got to find it within yourself to want to work it out. When the circumstances allow, you got to put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and go and talk with them directly. I think Jesus knows. He says this. He tells us this because he knows we don't want to do that, right? We don't don't always want to work it out. In some ways, it's more fun to stay mad. It's it's a lot easier to to go talk to somebody else about it, to to get them on my side and to to craft this narrative in my head and with all my friends about how I've been wronged and how bad it is and why I should never, ever, ever try to forgive them. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. Not, Not because it's not good for that other person, though that's true, Jesus says, don't, don't do that because it's bad for us. Holding on to hurt, it hurts us. So forgiveness just begins with that very first step of just asking God, give me the desire to forgive. Second stage of forgiveness involves separating the one who hurt us from whatever it was that they did to us. Separating the, the person from the pain. In a sense, we're... we're what experts call a, a, a rediscovering the humanity behind the person who hurt us. See, when somebody does hurt us, it, we begin to see them through the lens of our pain. They become the wrong that they did. You know, we think things like, oh, he is, he's nothing but a jerk. She is no more than a cheat. Our, our, our nothing buts and our no more thans, they knock the humanity out of a person. They become only and totally and completely the sinner who did us wrong. But through the miracle of forgiveness, we can begin to see the person who hurt us through a a clearer lens. We begin to see a real person with their own deep wounds, a person who shares our own faulty humanity, a person who is bruised like us, but also made in the image of God, like us. We don't ignore the hurts that this person had caused, but we begin to see beyond them. Third stage of forgiveness involves surrendering our our right to get even. You know, we all have within us this kind of Newtonian law that says for every infliction of pain, there must be an equal and opposite act of vengeance, right? We want to get back at the person who hurt us. We want to make them feel what we feel, to suffer what we have suffered. But vengeance, by its very nature, can never bring resolution. It only continues the cycle of pain. 
When we forgive, we give up that right to hurt that person. Now, please note that doesn't mean that we give up justice. Justice involves the pursuit of fairness, and justice must be kept. In an incredibly poignant interview given with Christianity Today a number of years ago, the American gymnast Rachel Denhollander told what has become her infamous story of abuse at the hands of Dr. Larry Nasser. And she talked very directly about how she, as a Christian, felt God's call to forgive. And here's what she says that meant to her. She says, it means that I trust in God's justice. And I release bitterness and anger and a desire for personal vengeance. Does not mean that I minimize or mitigate or excuse what he has done. It does not mean that I pursue justice on earth any less zealously. It simply means that I release personal vengeance against him. And I trust God's justice, whether he chooses to meet that out purely eternally or both in heaven and on earth. Forgiveness means surrendering our right to get even. And finally, we'll know that forgiveness has begun to take root in our heart when we feel a a real, if not reluctant, real wish and desire that some good things might start to happen to the person who hurt us. Now, it might start out as just no longer wishing that bad things would happen to them, right? Like somebody could say a kind word about them and we don't just start arguing against that in our heads or our our thoughts may no longer drift into anger fantasies in which you really let that person who who hurt you have it. it. You know, it doesn't happen all at once, but little by little your heart begins to change and you genuinely wish them well. Maybe still far away from you, but happy and, and healthy all the same. Well, we've, we've talked about what forgiveness isn't. We've talked about what it is and how we do it, but we need to talk finally about why we do it, why we forgive. And the first reason, well, honestly, it's all about us. We forgive not to help the person who hurt us. We forgive because it helps us. You know, there's a saying that, that, that goes, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Do you hear that? Not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Not forgiving keeps me chained in a prison of resentment year after year after year. And God commands me to forgive because he knows that's what's going to set me free. We forgive because it sets us free. And we forgive because we have been set free. We forgive one another because in Jesus Christ we have been forgiven. We are like that slave in Jesus' story. We owe God far more than we could ever dare to repay. God knows all the ways I turn from him. He sees all the ways that I get selfish and and self-centered. God feels it when I stop trusting him and, and try to be the boss of my own self. God knows when I have chosen to care more for myself and my own desires than for the needs of the people around me. 
God knows always I've messed up, but in Jesus Christ, God made it clear that he's not about holding grudges. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that we might be saved through him. We forgive because it sets us free. We forgive because we have been set free. So to close, here is your one another challenge for this week. And, and this week you actually have three options, three options that are summed up in three words. Receive, seek, and step. See which one of these words or these ideas resonate with you the most and do one of them this week. First option is receive. Receive that forgiveness that has been offered to you by God in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to do that today. You've done some things you know you shouldn't. You've been living your life apart from God's direction. You've been running away from God. You know, some of the most faithful church attenders I have ever known have been doing this for a very long time. Church can sometimes be one of the best places to hide from God. So if that's you, receive God's forgiveness. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or how far away you have ended up. Scripture tells us that all we have to do is tell God the truth. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, oh, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All you gotta do is tell God the truth. Tell God the truth about who you are, about what you've done, and forgiveness is yours. Just like that. So if you're feeling far away from God today, I'd encourage you, I'd implore you, receive God's forgiveness. Second option, seek. Seek the forgiveness of somebody that you may have hurt. As you've, been, as you've been listening to this message, you may have found yourself thinking about a person that, that you've caused some pain to, somebody that, that maybe needs to forgive you. And when we mess up, when we cause somebody else pain, our natural human tendency is to kind of hide in shame, to, to run away to, or try to move on and, and try to forget and, and hope that they forget too. But I'll tell you from experience, they don't forget, or most don't anyway. Deeply held hurts don't just go away. If we don't address them, they fester. So if you know of a person that you may have hurt, I want to encourage you to, to seek their forgiveness. Reach out to them this week. Own your mistakes. Offer an unconditional apology and promise that you'll do better in the future. Now, on the other hand, you may be thinking of somebody who hurt you. So if that's you, your challenge this week is to take a step, just one step in that journey of forgiveness. Depending on where you are, it may be to ask God to give you the desire to forgive. Maybe to separate the person from the pain 
surrender your right to get even, or, or try to wish the person who hurt you well. That's the challenge this week. Receive, seek, or step. Choose one. But as you do, let me warn you that from recent personal experience, when you enter into the realm of forgiveness, the three tend to go together. Started out with a story and I will end with one more short one. But just like you did at the beginning, I'm gonna ask you to hold on to the memory that you like me that you love me, that you think I'm generally a good person. Hold on to those feelings as I tell you this story because I don't come out looking so good in this one. As many of you know, last week I I got to go home to be with my family as we uh, had to make the hard decision and, and do the work to move my dad into memory care. And my older sister and I, we worked very, very hard together to make it all happen. And and as we did that, tensions were high, nerves were raw, and a whole lot of shoved down emotions were working very hard to rise to the surface. And I didn't handle it all very well, especially in the way that, that led me to react to my sister. I got impatient with her. I got mad at her. I I perceived so many of her words and actions coming from her to me. I perceived those through my own kind of filter of pain and it it took so many of the things that she said and did out of context and and without any grace. And by Thursday, I was furious. I was so sure that I was the one being wronged and that I needed to forgive her, but I was nowhere near that first step of wanting to do so. And Thursday afternoon, I let her have it. I yelled at her, I I cried, I lamented all the ways that I was being wronged and and the part that she was playing in that. And, And she just listened, she received, And after I calmed down, well, she had some words for me too. Very calmly, very lovingly, she reflected back to me some of the ways that I'd been treating her, not just over the past week, but over the last number of years. Things I'd said, things I'd done that had really deeply hurt her. And as I listened to her, my anger turned to shame. As I realized she was 100% right and I was 100% wrong. I didn't need to forgive her. I needed to be forgiven by her. I needed to be forgiven by God because I'd been a real ass. So I, I did, I, I, I asked my sister for, to forgive me. And I, I did, I, I asked God to forgive me. And I'm so grateful that they both have. So grateful. My sister's forgiven me. My God has forgiven me. I have been set free. And that gift, that gift of forgiveness, it is available to you too. 
There's nothing like that freedom that forgiveness brings. It's why we're told to do it. So receive. Seek. And take a step. And find yourself set free.